Good morning. What's up? I don't think you have to be in Lexington to experience the sadness of that loss. Sure, we got we got Cats fans all over the world that are probably mourning this morning. I was watching it here alone in my apartment and was making plans for Saturday to to go to the Kentucky bar uh, during the game, and then slowly started to not make those plans. As the game went on. <laughs> yeah, they just kept hanging with us. It was just like one of those things that I don't know, just played like dog poop. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good way to put it. <laughs> Morning, Evan. Yo. What'd you think of that game? I think it's time for us to start questioning Cal's ability to win a championship. To, yeah, said, to win the championship, for sure. He's a recruiter. He's not a coach. Not a good that's coach. A, that's a popular narrative. Yeah, I'm sure all the Cats fans will be saying that. I try to not hop on that bandwagon. I've always liked Cal, but... Yeah. I mean, it's getting old losing against these teams that are not the same talent level that we are when it comes down to it like this, so... Yeah. And it's it's hard to have an objective mind right after a loss like that. I mean, that's that's one of the worst losses in program history, probably. For sure. For sure. Uh, Definitely one of the worst in Cal era. Oh yeah. Um I mean he's he's gonna be the coach next year. I, I don't think Kentucky will do anything, you know, in that short term. But I think next year he's on the hot seat. You know, he's he's gotta perform. Yeah, I agree. Well, let's dive into uh these stories and uh, Nate, do you wanna first highlight the sponsors that we got for this Friday update? Yeah, yeah, two uh, two great sponsors that we've had the last uh, few weeks: Kentucky Innovation and Bolt Marketing. Kentucky Innovation, as everybody knows, is our presenting sponsor. Um, they're the state's innovation arm. Um, you guys actually sat down uh, with Tony Ellis, um, their director, um, a couple weeks ago, and that episode came out on Monday. So that was a really good episode. Everybody can go listen to 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 learn about their programs and how they see the future of innovation in the state. And our other sponsor is Bolt Marketing. Um, they have some do some great work, especially around websites, helping startups kind of get the marketing side covered so they can focus on growing the rest of their business. Um, so thank you to those sponsors. Awesome. Uh, well, real quick, we got an interesting fact for this week in tech history. Uh, back in 1985, the first internet domain was registered. It was Symbolics.com, Massachusetts-based Massachusetts computer company. So let's dive interesting. in. All right. Well, our first story today is about uh, this new SpaceX partnership for uh, training astronauts to be surgeons in space. So uh, SpaceX has partnered with the University of Arizona College of Medicine, uh, as well as Banner Health, and they're training, I guess, I guess they're training astronauts to be surgeons or surgeons to be astronauts. I'm not really sure. Uh, Evan, you want to give us a quick rundown on, on this story and your thoughts on it? Yeah, I would guess... Uh, based on what I read, it's not a guess, but uh, they're training doctors to do surgery in space. Um, so pretty interesting story. I mean, if you think about it, the trajectory we're going as far as development in space means there's going to be a lot more trips to space. There's going to be mm-hmm. a lot more people going to space. And the most important part is they're going to be in space for longer periods of time. So if, if we're going to start making more trips to, to the moon or Mars, you know, you're going to have more opportunity for something bad to go for something to go wrong in space. And so you got to have doctors there to take care of those people. So that's what this is all about. Uh, there's also all kinds of other medical research going on uh, in this realm as well, because when you have zero gravity, that leaves the door open for new types of surgery, new types of procedures, um, new types of 3D printing, like organs and things of that nature. So really, I think this is just beginning to open the door 
for research universities like Arizona to start tapping into space. And obviously SpaceX is leading, you know, the charge for that. So a uh, pretty cool, pretty cool partnership. And we've actually sat down with Space Tango in the past and Space Tango is doing a lot of work around medical research and seeing how, you know, zero-gravity environments affect cells um, and, uh, you know, other parts of, uh, you know, the medical industry. So pretty cool story. Uh, it's cool to see this uh, begin to grow more. Yeah. Nate, what do you think? Um, one thing that I thought was really interesting with the article um, and the story is that not only are they obviously teaching these these surgeons and these doctors how to perform operations under zero gravity in a space environment, but they're also looking to them um, for their expertise, for how, how we need to adapt tools, how we need to adapt procedures, um, operational things that we might not even think right now could be different in space, but are. Um, so they're learning to work in that environment, but they're also creating um, what work looks like in that environment. Um, and I think that's going to be a, um, a, a dynamic that we see copy and pasted to all different types of professions um, in space. If you think you know, people are going to be in space for long periods of time, we're going to need all these services um, in zero gravity that we haven't had, we haven't needed before. Yeah, yeah this, seems, this seems like a really solid step towards trying to create a sustainable human civilization on a, on a yep. different planet to really try and make humans inter or multi-planetary. I mean, especially if we want to try and go somewhere like Mars, you're going to have to have those types of roles, uh, not only for the whole journey there, it's, you know, what, a six-month journey to get there uh, at the best, but also once you get there, you need to have those types of people. Um, so I think this is just kind of the tip of the iceberg in terms of professions that we have to merge with astronauts. Uh, in order to actually build a sustainable civilization, yeah. whether it's in space and we're just kind of exploring deep space or whether we're trying to go to Mars and build a, a colony there. So I think it's just interesting. I mean, looking at stories like this, it makes you feel like you're kind of experiencing the future in real time is, is kind of how I look at it. So I love seeing stories about SpaceX come out and the different innovations and things that they're doing. But of course, there's also all sorts of other space companies kind of working in the background too. So we always like covering this. Yep. Anything else you guys want to add to that one? Nope. Cool. Let's move on to this next one. And that is a <clears throat> pretty big acquisition. Amazon has acquired uh, MGM for $8.5 billion. So uh, this is wasn't super surprising to me, honestly, just based off what uh, Amazon's competition is doing in terms of content. Um, so, you know, MGM is responsible for franchises like James Bond, uh, the Rocky films, and now they're also going to have this kind of production arm that they're going to be able to produce their own content with as well. So, uh, Evan, what are your thoughts on this acquisition? Yeah, uh, I think it makes a ton of sense. I mean, the competitive landscape between them, uh, Disney and Netflix and others, uh, you know, Amazon's going to have to keep up. And uh, if Amazon wants to ever continue to raise prices um, on, you know, Prime Video, then they're going to have to have more content. They're going to have to, you know, acquire more customers with, with original content. Uh, so that, you know, this is... You're going to see a lot more of this. This isn't this isn't the end of uh, roll-ups and consolidation in the media space. It's the big three are just going to continue to to acquire. Yeah. yeah. If uh, if we look at kind of the last honestly twenty years in the media space, there's always been this narrative of we need to marry media and technology. We need to marry the the production and the distribution. Um, some of that has worked. Um, Comcast buying NBC Universal is a great example of that. Some of it hasn't. Um, AT&T tried to buy or did buy Time Warner um, and then spun that back out. Um, so there's different ways that different companies have tried to to accomplish 
that that marriage and it doesn't always work but it seems that it has become consolidated around streaming like you said up in disney it's a big one netflix is huge um amazon i think is an interesting business model here because obviously prime video is their streaming service but you don't pay for prime video specifically you pay for amazon prime when you get all these other benefits there's hundreds of them so they're they're trying to bolster the the video aspect of their service um, without necessarily asking for cash, you know, from subscribers directly for that. I wonder if that's going to change as they realize they need to continue to invest in that to keep up with the likes of Disney. Um, HBO uh, Max and Discovery Plus are merging as well. That's going to be a big competitor now. Um, content, look, there's just a race for content and they need dollars to, to support that. And Amazon doesn't have that funneling directly to it yet. So I'm interested to see how that changes. Yeah, I mean, Amazon's a cash cow, so... I wonder yeah. how much it's really necessary for them to try and, you know, get revenue specifically for their streaming services, just because they're making so much cash elsewhere. Um, you know, just a couple of details I wanted to cover about MGM as well. Uh, they've actually changed hands a couple of times. They, they filed for chapter 11 bankruptcy back in 2010 and uh, were just kind of taken over by creditors there. Um, so in addition to that, um, you know, they're going to get over 4,000 films and 17,000 TV shows through this that are likely going to be taken off of all these other streaming services or wherever they're kind of hosted now once that those contracts end uh, wherever they're being hosted currently. So I think that's just something that's always important to note is like that kind of, that's probably a big reason why you would want to acquire a company like this is you get to take it off other streaming services and that, you know, makes it, you're the only place they can come and view those, whether it's old films and old TV shows or, whether MGM continues to to crank out content and now it's only on Amazon. I think that's just an interesting dynamic to cover there as well. It's so uh, crazy the difference in how these studios like MGM and others thought about streaming at first. It was, oh, we could just license this to Netflix. We get a, a few pennies here and there for content we already made. Why not? And now they're realizing the benefit of actually having subscribers owning that that customer. Mm -hmm. And there's there's a lot of money in trying to build those systems. Yeah, so the streaming wars are going to continue. I'm sure we're going to keep on seeing stuff like this uh, throughout the next few years. So we'll keep an eye on it for sure. Um, this next story, kind of a uh, story covering the meme stock craze and now what's resulted from it. Um, so AMC, the, the theater company, has uh, buy, bought a minority stake in a mining company and not a crypto mining company, an actual mining company that's mining uh, silver and gold. Uh, so Nate, give us your thoughts on this real quick. What's going on there? Yeah, this is super interesting. I saw this story break yesterday. Uh, and at first I thought it was like the AMC channel. Um, but then when I realized it was the theater company and, you know, thought back to the to the meme stocks of the last couple of years, I, it kind of, there was a, a more clear path to this for me. Um, you know, AMC was, was struggling. They, they were already struggling pre-pandemic. And obviously when the pandemic happened, nobody was going to the theater. Um, they were in some real financial trouble. They got a couple strategic investments and then also became one of those meme, meme stocks uh, and just became, you know, flush with cash in their valuation. Um, one interesting thing that I think that, that an article called out is that the Highcroft mine, which is the company they bought a minority stake in, that mine went public in May of 2020 via SPAC with a, a, a blank check company founded by a guy named Jason Murdick. In December of 2020, Jason Murdick invested $100 million in AMC. Um, so he's kind of marrying his money in two different places here, and I wonder if that has anything to do with it. 
Um, but AMC is just trying to diversify. They they have a popcorn brand they're selling in uh, in grocery stores now. They're doing NFTs, which is kind of pandering to that meme stock crowd, and now a literal mine. I'm not sure the the strategy makes sense, but they're just trying to get away from in theater viewing because maybe they see that as truly going away long term. Evan, yeah, what do you think? Are you long AMC? I mean, I'd say they have a lot of cash and they're trying to figure out what to do with it to fight inflation. Yeah. Um, you know, they've got to put that to work somewhere. I don't know if it's the best place to put that that capital to work, but um, that's really that's what's going on here. Is they're just trying to figure out how to get rid of their cash um, and invest it in other uh, you know things that are generating returns. Uh, you know, gold and silver are never going to move out of demand. You know, as much as Bitcoin people like to talk trash about gold and silver, it's not going anywhere. So. Um, yeah, potentially a safe place to put your money, but, uh, do you like to see, uh, a theater branch, you know, going and buying a mine that doesn't make much sense. So I don't know what's going to happen. I do think there's something to be said about the fact that the guy that did the SPAC, uh, invested, you know, prior to the SPAC in AMC, I think there's something, uh, to be looked into more there, but I don't know. to me, this is just needing to deploy capital and, you know, finding ways to do it. Yeah, the article that I was reading about it called it a gross misuse of shareholder funds. Uh, you know, I, I kind of would agree with that. I mean, that is so far outside of their wheelhouse in terms of trying to get butts and seats in theaters. Um, but I mean, if nothing else, it's giving them a lot of publicity. I'm sure they they realize the type of people that are investing are just the type of people that see their name and then yeah. get reminded of that and then go and check them out on Robinhood or whatever else. So. Um, yeah, we'll see how that pans out for them. We'll see if they get some, some gold and silver from that and what they end up doing with it. But, uh, just an interesting story that we wanted to cover and, uh, give some thoughts on either way. Um, all right, well, let's move on to talking about what we got coming up here, uh, in the next couple of days. First, Evan, why don't you give us a quick rundown on the develop likes episode that came out yesterday? Uh, because that was, that was an awesome one. That was one that I feel like a lot of younger listeners would really relate to. Yeah. So Joseph back, um, so he's a good friend of mine, business partner, and he is an absolute beast when it comes to investing in real estate. So he, as soon as he graduated college, went right into real estate, uh, got what's called a HELOC uh, on a house, which is a home equity line of credit, and then turned that into a portfolio of uh, well over 150 properties. And he's our age, he's 20, 26 now. Um, so he's just gone out into the world of real estate right from the get go and hit the ground running. And he's, Got a lot of learnings he's shared on that episode with uh, with listeners on how they can apply that to their own real estate investing career. Um, it's something anybody can do. Uh, it doesn't take um, you know a ton of capital. It doesn't take um, a ton of, of intelligence just to get started. Uh, it takes a lot of intelligence to build a great portfolio and a, build a successful business. But to get started, you know anybody anybody can do it. So I think that's a story that shows you know if you really work hard. Uh, and really study, you can build something really special. Yeah, that's awesome. And then Nate, what kind of weekend thoughts do we have coming out tomorrow? Yeah, weekend thoughts tomorrow is uh, by PJ. Um, it's a great episode. He he kind of goes through his personal experience with um, addiction and kind of over over stimulation from social media. And it's mm. tough because he works in social media. He's he's starting a firm and he does our social media. He needs to be on all the time, but he he catches himself going back to it when he feels like he he shouldn't and always trying to get more content when he feels like it's not healthy for him um, in ways that he's trying to combat that in ways that he thinks um, maybe we all have a little bit of that more than we think we do. 
Yeah, I think that's a super important topic. It's one I've actually posted on social media quite a bit about after watching things like The Social Dilemma. Uh, I think it's something that's super relevant and should be talked about a lot more, just as, you know, uh, especially as the mental health effects of our children and all that, uh, all that. So I've taken a pretty drastic step on that front. I, I, I think we're doing the same hour thing. and a half uh, of time on my phone, on social media, across all social media, and then I gave somebody else my password. So I can't even like skip through it to get in. Yeah, I think... Uh, I think that's like literally what has to be done in my case anyway. I do the same thing because if I try to set my own screen time password, like I just ignore it. I just go, I breeze past it and go straight, straight to social media. So, um, yeah, uh, excited to hear that one. And then uh, Monday, we've got an episode coming out uh, with Brad Zapp, uh, who is one of the managing partners at Kinetic. Um, Evan, I'll let you give a quick rundown of his episode since uh, you've uh, worked with Brad here in the past and yeah. uh, you know Kinetic pretty well. Yep. So Kinetic's a very successful uh, VC firm, typically investing in early stage uh, startups in this region, um, around the United States, actually. Uh, they use really unique methods using artificial intelligence, personality exams uh, and surveys, uh, as well as they built a profile or profiles for entrepreneurs they believe to be most successful. And they use data-driven tactics to invest in companies. So really cool episode. They're doing some really unique things and having success with that. Uh, Brad's really smart. Um, his his uh, investment track is a uh, testament to that. And he's a huge UK grad uh, and fan of UK. And so we talked about UK there for a while as well and how he wants to impact, you know, state of Kentucky through the University of Kentucky. Maybe we ought to reach out and see how he's doing after that loss last night. <laughs> yeah, pretty upset. <laughs> cool. Awesome. Well, that's all we got for you guys. Hope everyone has a great Friday. Hope everyone uh, doesn't mourn too badly over the Wildcats. Uh, we'll see you next week. See ya. See ya. See ya.